Welcome. We're so glad you've taken this opportunity to grow your faith by listening to this teaching. At CLC, it is our heart to see every believer equipped to fulfill the plan that God has for your life. For more information about Celebration Life Church, you can visit our website at celebrationlife.ca. Now let's hear some faith-building teaching from Pastor Neil McGeever. So the last two times that I've been up here, I've been talking about pursuing God. Amen? Amen. Well, we're going to talk a bit more about it today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So the first time I talked about it, I basically talked about the general idea and gave you all different aspects of pursuing God. And I won't, there was just so many. I was looking over my notes and I'm like, how do I kind of summarize this? But it was kind of difficult. Um, go and listen to the sermon. It's on <laughs> Facebook or it's on live stream. It was in August. The, what's that? Oh, right. Hey, there you go. A perfect opportunity to remind you that podcasts are coming in o October 25th. October 25th, we are going to have access to all the podcasts. Now, there's, they're starting every sermon from July 1st? No. <laughs> from the summer. From the summer. The, all, all of these sermons are going to be up, and then there's going to be, before that, there's going to be a selection um, that the pastors have picked to, to be up there. So it'll be on podcast in just a couple of weeks. Yay! Praise Jesus! Hallelujah. <laughs> now back at the beginning of September, I talked about being dead, <laughs> about dying to yourself. My statement at the beginning of my sermon was, I'm dead, how about you? Right? Everybody remember that? Well, today I want to talk about why. Why do we want to pursue God? Why do we want to pursue God? Why is it important for us to pursue God? Amen? More specifically, why do we want to pursue a relationship with him? What's so important about that? So, I'm gonna, we're going to be spending the entire morning or the rest of the morning in Hebrews 10. So why doesn't everybody turn to Hebrews 10? I'm going to be reading the majority of the time out of the Amplified because it just it gives such a great example and description of what we're talking about. So Hebrews 10, starting in verse 1. For since the law has merely a rude outline or foreshadowing of the good things to come, instead of fully expressing those things, it can never, by offering the same sacrifices continually, year after year, make perfect those who approach its altars. For if it were otherwise, would these sacrifices not have stopped being offered? 
since the worshipers had once for all been cleansed, they would no longer have any guilt or consciousness of sin. But, as it is, these sacrifices annually bring a fresh remembrance of sins to be atoned for, because the blood of bulls and goats is powerless to take sins away. So that's talking about the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, the Abrahamic, the Mosaic Covenant that God had with the Israelites. So I have a story for you. It's called Abigail and the Spider Jar. (laughs) So Abigail's office is down in in the basement of our house uh, where she does all of her studying and she has her computer set up there and, and it's really nice. It's right by a window so she can see outside and stuff like that. But spiders like to live in our basement and sometimes they're big. (laughs) and so if there's a number of days during the week where she's at home alone studying and there's nobody else there to deal with the spiders so uh, does everybody know what a mason jar is yeah a mason jar where you do the canning in and you preserve things and it seals itself and all that kind of stuff but so she has this mason jar in her office And there's been a number of times where I've come home from work, and as soon as I get in the door, I hear, Daddy! There's a spider! (laughs) Or (laughs) I'll come home from work, and Heather's gotten home, and and Heather will say, "Um, Honey, uh, Abigail's got another spider underneath the jar. (laughs) So what she does is she takes this mason jar, and she catches the spider underneath it, so she doesn't have to touch it. Okay? So the spider is covered over. It's still there, walking around in the jar, but it's, it's still there. But it's contained until I get home. Okay? <laughs> and so then when I get home, I have to then get myself ready. I get my paper towel, or if it's big enough, I get the broom. And I, I take the jar off, and I kill the spider, and I take it, I clean it away so that it's completely gone. Okay, everybody with me? Putting that spider underneath the jar is kind of like dealing with your sin in the Old Testament. You cover it over. It's still kind of there, but... For a while, it's dealt with. Oh, wow. It's silent. (laughs) It's dealt with for a while. The new covenant is like when I come (laughs) with the paper towel or the broom, and I kill it, and I clean it away, and it doesn't exist anymore. Everybody get the picture? Everybody get... (laughs) All the women are like, spider, 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 no spider, no spider, no spider. (laughs) (laughs) 
So that's what this is describing here. Let's go back to verse 1. For since the law has merely a rude outline foreshadowing of the good things to come, instead of fully expressing those things, instead of fully taking care of the sin, it can never, by offering the same sacrifices continually year after year, make perfect those who approach its altars. It, it didn't deal completely with the sin. That's what it's saying. It took care of it for a while until the next sacrifice needed to happen. For if it were otherwise, would these sacrifices not have stopped being offered? So if they actually had to have taken care of the sin like Jesus did, they would have been able to stop doing the, the offerings and it would have been dealt with. And Jesus wouldn't have had to come to earth and hung on a cross and paid for our sins because they would have been dealt with. But it didn't happen that way. Okay? Since the worshipers had once for all been cleansed, they who no longer have any guilt or consciousness of sin. That's us. That's us in the new covenant. That's what Jesus did for us. We no longer have any guilt or consciousness of sin if we're focused on him, if we're pursuing him. <laughs> but as it is, these sacrifices annually bring a fresh remembrance of sins to be atoned for because the blood of bulls and goats is powerless to take sins away. Verse 5. Hence, when he, Christ, entered into the world, he said, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but instead you have made ready a body for me to offer. In the King James, it actually says it a tiny bit clearer. It says, Wherefore, when he cometh, when Jesus cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offerings thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. So he's, been, he's being prepared as that final sin offering by coming to the earth and getting a body like we have a body, right? Our spirit is, is, in, is housed in this body. This is how we exist on this earth. It's through this body. The minute this body stops working, we leave. We're out of here. We're on the next trip out. Amen? Verse 6. In burnt offerings and sin offerings, you have taken no delight. So hold your place here, and I want to quickly turn to Hosea. We're going to turn to Hosea 6, verse 6. Hosea 6, and in verse 6. This is, Jesus actually used this scripture when he was talking to the Pharisees once, possibly more than once, and then they're using this same scripture here again. Hosea 6, verse 6. And this is, basic, this is prophetic. And it says, For I desired mercy and not sacrifice, and the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. For I desired mercy and not sacrifice, and the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. God desires mercy more than sacrifice. He desires a heart towards him more than a sacrifice to take care of what you've done wrong. 
He desires pursuing, he desires us to pursue him to obtain that knowledge, to take the time in the word of God and take time with him more than burnt offerings to take care of what we've done wrong. He wants us to pursue him. He wants us to be looking after him, to spend time in his word. That's what this is talking about. He desired mercy and not sacrifice and the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. Let me read 5 and 6 and let's go back to Hebrews 10. Verses 5 and 6. Hence, when Christ entered into the world, he said, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but instead you have made ready a body for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings, you take no delight. It was a stopgap. What that means is it was a temporary fix in the Old Testament for what God truly wanted with his people, for what God truly wanted for us was us pursuing him, us in relationship with him. Remember, we're talking about why we want to pursue him. And this is really explaining it. It's showing it here. In the Old Testament, they had to do the, the, the sacrifices, but they, they were a temporary fix that God put in place until Jesus could be spoken into this world and was born and took on the body. Like it says in um, verse 5, you have made me ready a body for me, for him to be here to be that final offering. Hmm. Praise God. Verse 7. Then I said, Behold, here I am, coming to do your will, O God. This is talking about Jesus. To fulfill what is written of me in the volume of the book. That's what I was just referring to. When it talks about me being written in the volume of the book, it talks about all of the prophecies. All of the prophecies of the Old Testament about Jesus and about his coming and about him dying on the cross, about his stripes taking care of our healing and our wholeness and everything that, that it, 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 if you read it with that perspective, if you take the Old Testament and you read it with that perspective of how does this show me Jesus, you're going to see it everywhere in the Old Testament, and it is amazing. It, it really excites me. I just love reading through the Old Testament and finding all of those things, and all of a sudden you're like, hey, this is talking about Jesus right here. The whole Old Testament is about Jesus. It's about Jesus coming and being that final offering, that perfect Lamb of God. <coughs> Excuse me. It's... it's Everything in that Old Testament points to him. A lot of, there's some talk, some ministers say that the, that the Old Testament is not, it's not relevant anymore. Well, I say that's wrong. That's just downright wrong. Because if you, if, you, if you read the Old Testament through the Holy Spirit, through the idea that, okay, this is going to reveal to me Jesus Christ, you're going to see it. You're going to see it in there. And it's going to point to the New Testament. It's going to create a picture, a, a bigger and better picture 
of what actually happened in the New Testament, what Jesus did on the cross. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Verse 8. When he said just when he said just before you have ent- you have neither desired nor have you taken delight in sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings all of which are offered according to the law he then went on to say behold here i am coming to do your will thus he does away with and annuls the first the former order as it as a means of expiating sin, of dealing with sin, that means, so that he might inaugurate and establish the second or latter order. That's a whole lot of words to talk about. Jesus came to take care of the Old Testament and bring us into the New Testament, to take us out of the Old Covenant and bring us into the New Covenant. That's basically exactly what that's saying. He came for us. He came for us. In the King James, it says, Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. Jesus established the new, or the new covenant. He established what we live in now. That was his whole purpose here, to establish what we live in now so that we can pursue him. And have that better relationship. Have that better covenant with its better promises. Amen. Verse 10. And in accordance with this will of God, we have been made holy, consecrated and sanctified through the offering made once for all of the body of Jesus Christ, the Anointed One. Furthermore, Every human priest stands at the altar of service, ministering daily, offering the same sacrifices over and over again, which never are able to strip from every side of us the sins that envelop us and take them away. Verse 12, whereas this one Christ, after he had offered a single sacrifice for our sins, that that shall avail for all time. His sacrifice will avail for all time. It will be in place for all time. It will never leave away. We will never have to redo it. It is in place for all time. It is the final sacrifice. It is the final atonement for our sins. They have been taken care of. They have been washed away. They have been dealt with fully, completely. The jar has been taken off of the spider and the spider is dead. (laughs) The jar has been taken off the spider and the spider is dead. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Notice that it says, In verse 12, whereas this one Christ, after he had offered a single sacrifice for our sins for all time, sat down at the right hand of God. He sat down at the right hand of God. When you sat down, you're finished. 
What you've been doing is complete. You're done. You don't have to do any more. What he did on the cross is complete, and nothing more needs to be done. So why is this important about us pursuing him? Because he's the one that's done it all. He's the one that's created this amazing covenant for us. He's the one that entered in on our behalf of this covenant. He's the one that created the opportunity for us to be in covenant with God like Adam and God was before the fall. He's the one. That's why it's important. It's important to understand that he is the one that will, that has, not will, has done everything for us. That's why we want to be pursuing him. That's why we want to be in relationship with him. Verse 13. Then to wait until his enemy should be made a stool beneath his feet. So let me read 12 and 13 again together because it's basically one thought. Whereas this one Christ, after he offered a single sacrifice for our sins that shall avail for all time, sat down at the right hand of God, then to wait until his enemies should be made a stool beneath his feet. He's bringing everything underneath his feet, taking care of it. So it doesn't affect us anymore. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. For by a single offering, verse 14, by a single offering, he has forever completely cleansed and perfected those who are consecrated and made holy. In the King James it says, For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Okay, so the word sanctified means to make holy. It simply means to make holy. If you're sanctified, you've been made holy. Now, if you're holy, it means that you're set apart for a specific use by God. You are set apart by, for a specific use for God. You have been consecrated. You have been sanctified for God to be in relationship with him because he has a specific use for you. Not like you use a jar or a, or a, <laughs> a broom to kill a spider. <laughs> he has a purpose for you. Maybe a better way to say that he has a purpose for you. I know I've said this many times, but we need to get this. We need to get this. It's so important. He has a purpose for you. He has a purpose for you. That's why you've been sanctified. You've been set apart. You've been made holy. You have a specific purpose. A specific purpose.
It says in, in my Wüst, Wüst translation, it's a cool last name. It says, but this priest, having offered one sacrifice for sin, sat down in perpetuity. That's forever and ever 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 and ever. On the right hand of God, from henceforth, expecting until his enemies be set down as a footstool for his feet. For by one offering, he has brought to completion forever those who are set apart for God and his service. He has brought to completion forever those who are set apart for God and his service. Now, as I look around the room, everyone in here I know is born again and saved. So this applies to everybody. We are all, everybody here is sanctified and set apart and holy. Now, for those online, those who are, are possibly looking at this in the future that aren't, aren't saved, that you haven't given your life to Christ, you are still sanctified and made holy. It's just that you're not walking in that now because you haven't accepted Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. So it's time to accept Lord Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. And then you can walk in this. You can be in that completion. He who has brought to completion forever those who are set apart for God and his service. If you're watching this and you're not born again and you want to know about being in that completion, being sanctified, being in that purpose God has for you, go to our website, celebrationlife.ca. Amen. Amen. And you can learn about it. There's an email there. You can email life at celebrationlife.ca and somebody will get a hold of you and we can help you. Okay? Amen. 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 We are consecrated and made holy. Oh, glory be to God. Verse 15. And also the Holy Spirit adds his testimony to us in confirmation of this for having said... This is the agreement, the testament, or the covenant that I will set up and conclude with them after those days, says, says the Lord. I will imprint my laws upon their hearts, and I will inscribe them on their minds, on their innermost thoughts and understandings. Now, just a minute ago, I was talking about how the Old Testament is that picture of Jesus. It gives you a round, a more rounder understanding of Jesus, the prophetic utterances of Jesus coming to when you look at it. And this is one of them right here. You guys don't need to turn there, but in Jeremiah 31, I'm just going to turn there. Jeremiah 31. And in verse 31 to 34. 31, 15... It says, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break, although I was a husband unto them, saith the Lord. This is Jeremiah 31, verses 31 to 34. I'm just in 32. 33, but this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in 
in their inward parts and right in their hearts and will be their God and they shall be my people. You see how that's talking about Jesus? That's exactly what Jesus has done for us. And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother saying, Know the Lord. For they shall all know me. From the least of them unto the greatest of them, saith the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. See how that's pointed? And it gives a bigger picture of what Jesus has done for us. Oh, glory to God. That is so awesome. I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. That's what we've been talking about, right? The difference between the old covenant and the new, and the new covenant. He remembers his sin no more. Our sin no more. Not his sin. He didn't have any sin. He remembers our sin no more because of what Jesus did on the cross. Oh, hallelujah. I feel somewhat in an evangelistic mood this morning. So, for those of you who are not born again... Jesus died on the cross for you. Your sin is taken care of. The only difference is, is that you haven't given your life to Christ yet. So it's time. It's time to give your life to Christ and to walk in that freedom that Christ did on the cross for you. Mm. Amen. Amen. Okay. <laughs> Amen. Okay, back to he Hebrews. Revelation too far. There we go. We got up to verse 17. He then goes on to say, and their sins and their law-breaking I will remember no more. I just mentioned that. Verse 18. Now where there is absolute remission, which is forgiveness and cancellation of the penalty of these sins and law-breaking, there is no longer an offering made to atone for sin. We don't need to atone for the sin anymore. Atone means cover, like the jars covering the spider. We don't have to cover it anymore because it's cleansed and washed away. Like me coming and taking the jar off the spider and killing it and taking it away and putting it in the garbage. Or the toilet. Flush. Verse 19. Therefore, brethren... Since we have full freedom and confidence to enter into the holy of holies by the power and virtue in the blood of Jesus. Let me just stop right there. Actually, no, let me read verse 20. By this fresh and new and living way which he initiated and dedicated and opened for us through the separating curtain, the veil of the holy of holies, that is, through his flesh. Oh, hallelujah. Take time to read the Gospels. And in all four of the Gospels, read the accounts of him dying, of Jesus dying on the cross. What you will find is the very first thing that happened the moment that he died on the cross is that veil was torn from the top to the bottom. It specifically says from the top to the bottom. Now, I'm tall, and standing up here, I can reach the roof. So that veil was so tall that nobody could reach the top of it. 
No man, except, no, not even me. <laughs> not even Goliath. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it was because God tore that veil. No man could tear that veil that separated the Holy of Holies where the Ark of the Covenant, where God resided in the temple, and that veil separated man from God so that the only time that anybody could go in there was the priest, the high priest, and he had to do like seven days of sanctification, getting himself ready for that purpose to go into the Holy of Holies. And... Then he went in, and they still even tied a rope around his ankle in case he forgot something, and in the presence of God just dropped dead, and they had to drag him out. That was the only time that anybody went into the holies of holies. And the moment Jesus died, the moment Jesus died, the very first thing that happened was that veil was torn forevermore, that never would be shut again. And the Holy of Holies, where God resides, we can enter into. Amen? Oh, hallelujah. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. So read those, those gospel accounts of that. See it for your own eyes. Take time to see that. It's so important. His first priority was having a relationship with us. His first priority was having a relationship with us. That is why that veil was torn. The first thing, the veil was torn so that we can walk in to the Holy of Holies and spend that time with him. We have become that Holy of Holies. As we've accepted Jesus in our lives, we have become that Holy of Holies. He now resides on the inside of us. Our spirit man is the Holy of Holies for him to reside in. Oh, glory be to God. Glory be to God. And we can walk with him every day. We don't have to go to church to be with him. He is with us. He is with us. Take time to be with him. Take time to be with him. Take time to spend time with him in his word, just listening to him, talking to him. I think it was the last men's group. Denny was talking about how, or maybe it was discipleship class, I can't remember, one of the two. He was talking about praying, and he said, you know, a lot of the times he just has a conversation with God. He says, He's walking along. He's like, hey, God, how you doing? We should be doing the same thing. That's having fellowship. That's pursuing him. That's taking the time to have that relationship with him. Oh, hallelujah. Where did I get to? Verse 20, right. Verse 21. And since we have such a great and wonderful and noble priest, Jesus, who rules over the house of God, let us all come forward and draw near with true, honest, and sincere hearts in unqualified assurance and absolute conviction engendered by faith, which means basically motivated by faith, by the leaning of the entire, listen to this, this is really important, by the leaning of the entire human personality on God in absolute trust and confidence in his power, 
wisdom and goodness. Let me read it in the King James. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Now let me read the Amplified again. Let us all come forward and draw near with true, honest, and sincere hearts in unqualified assurance and absolute conviction engendered by faith, powered by faith, by that leaning of the entire human personality on God. Is your entire personality leaning on God? Or are you kind of like a mother hen with her chicks got a little part of your life that you're kind of, you're, you're gathering up and just holding like, I can take care of this better than you, God. <laughs> Selah. <laughs> By that leaning of the entire human personality on God in absolute trust and confidence in his power, his wisdom, and his goodness, having our hearts sprinkled and purified from a guilty, evil conscience, and our bodies cleansed with pure water. Oh, hallelujah. We're not supposed to be sin conscious in our lives, in our walk with Jesus. We're not supposed to be focusing on sin. We're not supposed to be pursuing stopping sin in our lives. Did you hear that? We're not supposed to be pursuing the stop of the sin in our lives. We're supposed to be pursuing Jesus. Just what these scriptures are saying. We're supposed to be pursuing Jesus. Why? Because he's taken care of it all. He's taken care of the old covenant. The Bible says that he is the fulfillment. Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. In him is the fulfillment of the law. Everything that the law tried to do is fulfilled in him, in that one man and his one sacrifice. So if we have him in us, we don't have to worry about the Old Testament because it's already taken care of through him and what he's done on the cross. We just have to pursue him and not be concerned about our sin. Be concerned about listening to him, walking with him, hearing him. Because out of those things will come a correction, will come an encouragement, will come everything that you need to walk on his path. Notice that that had nothing to do with sin. If you sinned, okay, he'll show you. Repent and carry on. It's that simple. Repent, ask forgiveness, and carry on. Because he still has a purpose for you. There's still a reason for you doing what you're supposed to be doing in him. That has not changed. And will never change. So choose. I've always supposed to have been a pastor. But the choices that I made earlier on in my Christian walk made it so that I couldn't be a pastor. 
that didn't change the fact that I was a pastor, that my purpose was to be a pastor. I, I am a, a true pastor, not a teacher pastor. I am a pastor. <laughs> and when my life turned around in 2013, that call on my life, that purpose for my life didn't change. I just started to step into it and be focused on God and my relationship with God. And it naturally developed in my life. It could not. I realize that's a double negative, but hear me. Pretend I'm Greek, because you can use double, double negatives in Greek. <laughs> It could not not start happening in my life as I pursued God. Because it's a natural progression out of our spirit man as we pursue God that our lives will just start to be filled with his purpose, with his calling. It will just start to naturally bubble up in us and come out of us. And you'll start to see it. There's a number of people that in, in this congregation, when you talk to them, um, I'll use Bruce as an example. You talk to Bruce for more than a couple minutes, and you're all of a sudden you're talking about how the Holy Ghost used him to minister to somebody at work or to evangelize somebody on the street or even evangelize somebody at work. He's blessed he gets to do that at his work freely. That's an amazing thing. But... Because he is pursuing God, because he's taking that time to have that relationship with God, naturally out of him is bubbling up that evangelistic tendency in his life, that purpose for his life, to be able to do that in his life. It's a natural phenomenon of pursuing God. Everybody with me? Praise the Lord. Where did I get to? 23? Okay, good. So let us seize and hold fast and retain without wavering the hope we cherish and confess and our acknowledgement for it. For he who promised is reliable, that means sure, and faithful to his word. Oh, we got to hear that. He is faithful to his word. Period. There's no caveat. There's no extra clause in the contract that says, except in this situation. He is faithful to his word. In the King James, it says, He is faithful that promised. Let us hold fast the profession of our hope without wavering, for he is faithful that is that promise. What he's promised, he is faithful to do. There is no turning from that for him. What he says, he will do. Why do we pursue him? Because he's faithful to his word. What he said in here, he will do. He will do for you. Even if you've made a mistake, he's still going to do it for you. 
He's going to show you where your mistake is. And like I said, Lord, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Okay, let's go. Amen? Wow. <laughs> I'm not even halfway through. Verse 24. <laughs> I thought that this would go a lot faster. <laughs> and let us consider and give attentive, continuous care to watching over one another, studying how we may stir up, which means stimulate or incite, to love and helpful deeds and noble, noble activities, not forsaking or neglecting to assemble together as believers. This is talking about believers as is the habit of some people, but admonishing, which is warning, urging, and encouraging one another, and all the more faithfully as you see the day approaching. What's that? That Those two scriptures are talking to believers. This is talking about us interacting with other Christians. Our first interaction out of pursuing God, should be with other Christians. And when we're pursuing and interacting with other Christians, we're encouraging them. We're lifting them up. We're giving them, we're giving them encouragement to do what God's done in their life. We're helping them out where God shows us to help them out. Right? It says, stimulate and incite to love and helpful deeds and noble activities. That's what we're supposed to be doing to each other. Encouraging each other to walk in love, to, to do helpful deeds and noble activities. But we, and we should also be admonishing, which means warning, urging, and encouraging one another. And all the more faithfully as you see the day approaching. That day is Jesus coming back. We should be encouraging one another. So why... Pursuing God puts us in a position to be instant in season and out of season. It puts us in a position to be instant in season and out of season. What does that mean? That means that we're able to hear God all the time. So as we take the time to pursue Him, we're ready when things come our way and we have to be able to respond to them out of a heart of love. So when we're in here and we're not forsaking gathering together, so we're gathering together as the community of Christ, as the brethren, we take the time, we've taken the time beforehand to pursue him, to pursue that relationship. We're then ready to be encouraging to one another, to come up with te testimonies, to share the revelation that God has brought in our lives at a moment's notice. Serena didn't know she was going to be doing that. I went back and asked her. <laughs> okay, we're going to skip over a bit. The next uh, verses 26 to 31, I'm going to summarize. And I'll summarize saying this. Basically, it's saying, if you deliberately choose to walk away from God, 
God help you. <laughs> that, in a sentence, is what verses 26 to 31 says. Notice I said the word deliberately. That's different than you're walking along and you do something wrong and you know you have to repent for it. That's not deliberate. If you deliberately choose to walk away from God, it's not going to go well for you, is basically what it's saying. Okay. Verse 32. But, haha, be ever mindful of the days gone by in which, after you were first spiritually enlightened, you endured a great and painful struggle. This gets better, trust me. Verse 33, sometimes being yourselves a gazing stock, publicly exposed to insults and abuse and distress, and sometimes claiming fellowship and making common cause with others who were also treated. Verse 34, for you did sympathize and suffer along with those who were imprisoned, and you bore cheerfully the plundering of your belongings and the confiscation of your property. In the knowledge, hear this, in the knowledge and consciousness that you yourselves had a better and lasting possession. We have a better and lasting possession. What is that possession? Jesus and the covenant that he bought for us on the cross. That is our better and lasting possession that he has bought for us, that we live in. Oh, hallelujah. That's why we're pursuing him. That's why we're pursuing him. Because we have a better and lasting possession, a better covenant with better promises. Oh, hallelujah. Verse 35 do not, therefore, fling away your fearless confidence, for it carries a great and glorious compensation of reward. When things look like they're going crazy in your life, don't walk away. What did we just say just a few minutes ago? God is faithful to his weird, is weird? No, word. God is faithful to his word, period. No questions. So when we go through what these three verses just talked about, remember, you have a better and lasting possession through him. Stand in him. Stand in that relationship that you have with him. Pursue him. Take the time to remind yourself of that better and lasting possession, of that covenant, with that better covenant with better promises. Take that time to spend the time with him. Verse 36, for you have need of steadfast patience and endurance so that you may perform and fully accomplish the will of God and thus receive and carry away and enjoy to the full what is promised. Enjoy to the full what is promised. Are you enjoying to the full what is promised in the word of God? Are you taking the time to learn what that is? So that you know what you should be enjoying to the full? What is promised? There's lots in there. There's lots in there that has been promised that we should be walking in. 
that as we pursue him, will start to become part of our life. Verse 37, for yet a little while, for still a little while, a very little while, and the coming one will come and he will not delay. That's talking about Jesus coming again. It's going to be a little while. When we have the perspective of pursuing God, time becomes secondary in our lives. Yes, we still need time because we need to know what time we need to be at work and what time we need to get dinner on the table and what time our meeting is at and what time we need to get this done by and what time our insurance is due and we have to renew it. And we, we need time, but it's secondary to God. As we pursue God and we, we become more spiritually minded in our lives, the reality of his second coming becomes more and more in our face becomes more and more um, real to us. And it, it propels us. I know it propels me to kind of throw aside my, my fear and my, um, my uh, concern about what people are going to think if I start to tell them about Jesus Christ and what he's done in my life and what he can do in their life. That becomes of no consequence. It becomes of no importance to me. Because my focus is on him. I've been pursuing him and I realize that Jesus is coming soon. And i got to get that message out. And where he shows me to get that message out, I don't stumble. I don't fall. I'm ready instant in season and out of season. And I take that time and I share that with them. How God shows me to share it with them. Because he knows how those people are going to respond and how they're going to take that in in their lives. Verse 38, but the just shall live by faith. That's us. We are the just. We are the sanctified, set-apart, holy ones that shall live by faith. Faith is just trusting in God. Trusting in God. We need to ask ourselves, are we truly trusting in God in this situation? There were numerous times when we were believing for our house we had to take a moment. Are we truly in faith? Are we truly trusting God at this point in this process that God is going to do what he said he's going to do and provide us with a house? And he certainly did. Oh, my goodness. Not only did he tick every box that we had put on the list, he went above and beyond and gave us things in our house that we didn't even realize we needed or wanted. That's our God. That is our God. The just shall live by faith. My righteous servant shall live by his conviction respecting man's relationship to God and divine things and holy fervor born of faith and conjoined with it. Wow. And if he draws back and shrinks in fear, my soul has no delight or pleasure in him. That's what I was talking about a little bit earlier. If you deliberately decide to walk away from God. That's what this is talking about, that drawing back. If we're pursuing God and we're wanting a relationship with him, we'll never be drawing back. We'll just be going forward. We'll be going towards him. We'll be seeking him out in every situation of our life because he wants to be in every aspect of our lives. But our way, our way, say my way, 
is not that of those who draw back to eternal misery or perdition. I looked up... <laughs> I looked up that word in my 1828 uh, Noah Webster's dictionary, perdition. It's nasty. <laughs> it means, get this, the utter loss of the soul or of final happiness in a future state, future misery or eternal death. That's pretty complete. That's pretty descriptive. So if we choose to deliberately pull back from God, we choose to walk away from Him. Basically, that's what's happening to us. But we're not of them. Right? Say that. I'm not of that. I'm of them that press in. I'm of them that pursue God. Amen? Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. But our way is not of those who draw back to eternal misery or perdition and are utterly destroyed, but we are of those who believe, who cleave to and trust in and rely on God through Jesus Christ, the Messiah, and by faith preserve the soul. By faith, we preserve our soul. By faith, by pursuing God, by having that relationship with Him, we preserve our soul. Mm. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. So why do we pursue God? Because he's done it all. He's done everything that is needed for us to live an amazing life full of love and grace and mercy, full of purpose, full of joy, full of patience, kindness, Full of everything that we need to be sanctified, to be set apart, to be made holy for Him, to be brought into that purpose. He has done it all. He has done it all. We don't have to go and put a spider underneath a jar anymore. Because He's already taken the jar off, taken the broom, and killed that spider wiped it away. It doesn't exist anymore. He has done everything. He is everything for us. He is all that we need. Pursue Him. Run after Him. Take the time in your day And you don't have to be religious about it. <laughs> the reality is, is if you become religious about pursuing him, really you've put yourself in the old covenant again. 
It's not about time. Oh, I have to spend an hour with him each day. It's about your heart. What's your heart? Is your heart after him? Is your heart towards him? If it isn't in an area, just take the time. Lord, I realize my heart isn't towards him and towards you in this area. I'm sorry about that. Show me. Teach me. Help me to get that part of my life back to you, Lord, where it's pursuing you. I don't want to be that hen gathering its chicks to protect them because I'm never going to be able to protect that part of my life better than you are. Pursue him. Take that time. Even if it's five minutes a day, take that time to hear him, to spend some time in his word, to listen to him, to talk to him. Hey, God, how's your day going? I've been having an awesome day. Thank you for that opportunity to witness to that person. Thank you for that opportunity to show love to that person. That was so awesome. Anytime you want me to do anything, Lord, I'm here. I just, I just want to walk every moment of every day and every aspect of my life with you, Lord. Thank you for listening today. We hope you have been strengthened and encouraged by the message you've heard. To hear more from our pastors or to learn more about Celebration Life Church, you can visit our website at celebrationlife.ca. You can contact us by phone at 604-594-7327 or you can write to us at Unit 2A, 13139 80th Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3W3B1.